Well, hello and welcome back to Killing the Great White Male. Our conversation continues today with a little more with Dr. Vincent Gaddis talking about Robert Jones's book, White Too Long. We left off last time with the cold hard fact um, that religiously unaffiliated folks are the least racist group, according to the research that he and quite a few others have done. Um, so we're going to wrestle some more with that. And uh, yeah, and of course, a few other topics. So let's dive right in. And it, it I was shocked to see that what I know as, well, I, I use Jimmy Carter's term, fundagelicals, um, <laughs> just because I, I, I actually... I don't want those folks having the term evangelical because they're not evangelical. Um, another lie. Uh, but that what I know is fundagelical religion, the fact that it was born during the Civil War and became that the religion of the lost cause. This was a whole section of history that I was in spite of. I mean, let's be clear here. I not only have a four year degree uh, from seminary to become a minister, but I then did another year and a half working toward an, an, uh, a master's, a second master's degree that I ended up not finishing because <laughs> divorce and family stuff blew up. Um, but it, mm. but that, it, like, I've got a lot of study at some wonderfully uh, variety in, in the GTU in Berkeley. So I was. In one classroom, I'm sitting with Franciscans or Jesuits. In the next classroom, I'm sitting with Wiccans and Pagans. And like literally everything in between, I studied with folks who were Muslim. I studied with folks who were Jewish. Um, and and the about as full a variety as you can get within the American spectrum of Christianity. So, And yet this notion of the lost cause uh, being a religion— um, I had never been exposed to, and yet it's exactly you know when we talk about what happened that day. That's that's the delusion that yes. we have actually won. We just haven't realized it yet. Jesus will make it right, or so, you know, or we have to bring about Jesus' second coming to make it right. This notion that it's all this lost cause theology, um, I I just hadn't looked at it that way. Yeah, and and here's what what really makes it. <laughs> crazy that the champion of the lost cause that's going to usher in true democracy and mm. what they claim as christian values is donald trump <laughs> i mean i mean just just put that together in your head so yes. the guy who's going to usher in Christian values that we we've thrown ourselves behind 1000% cheated on his first wife with the second wife who cheated on his second wife with the third wife who's who's paid more for porn star sex than taxes 30,000 confirmed corroborated lies he's the savior yeah I mean, I don't want to get all religious on this show, but I, I am right now because I'm a preacher. <laughs> Test the spirit, okay? Because yeah. Donald Trump is the spirit of Antichrist. I'm not saying Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he embodies the spirit against Christ, against 
peace, against shalom, mm-hmm. against community, against the poor, against the widow, against the orphan, against the immigrant, against the minority. Yeah. You know, Howard Thurman said Jesus mm. came for the man whose back is against the wall. Howard Thurman. Right? Oh, my God. That was some of my well, favorite classes. Was That's yes. not... That's not Donald Trump. No, and it, it's and it, that's not white evangelical Protestants who no. believe that overthrowing the government was morally right. It, I mean, it boggles my mind because even as okay. an atheist, All right. Professor Hat back on now. No, no, your hat off. no, <laughs> keep 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 them both on, man. Because it, I mean, even as an atheist. I look at this, and I one of the things that I, I value about my religious training is it taught me mm-hmm. about evil, because I, yeah. I I don't really appreciate the notion that there is sentient evil. I don't appreciate mm-hmm. the notion that um, people are evil, but evil itself. One of the first things, one of the first ways I always know I'm dealing with with an evil situation or evil behavior, is that it's disorienting. And it points to the other and says, you are doing this when, in fact, it is evil doing that. So, for example, this notion of stopping the steal it, and, and the uprising and the, the marching on Washington and invading the Capitol with weapons, killing people over their, their lie that this election was stolen when it wasn't, um, contrasting that from the 300,000 some odd folks who were systematically disenfranchised, 80% of those folks were black in Florida prior to Mm -hmm. the 2000 election. When you sit Mm -hmm. with the two sets of facts and you see like, and and this is for me, one of the reasons that I, I, I I think we have to hold that division between racist and anti-racist work and that there can't be middle ground because we calmed down after the 2000 elections because we didn't want to start a war because we know who gets hurt in war. We know that it's always the poor and marginalized who pay the price in war. But when you look at what happened there versus what happened here, where they're just pissed that they lost, but they literally are too delusional to admit that this happened. And it wasn't fair, but it wasn't fair in their dire- it wasn't unfair in their direction. It was still unfair in the sense that it was still marginalized voices who are being systematically disenfranchised like they are accusing the left of doing the thing that they have been systematically documented as doing we have multiple recordings of uh, gop strategists talking about how you suppress voting how you legally suppress voting in this country and that this is their path to victory and it didn't work and they are angry yeah. Well, my fear because is that it Georgia, may work next time. Well, well and, and look, and this is, uh, I just was uh, watching the news this morning. Yeah. And, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, he ran against, um, he ran against Graham in South Carolina. Um, oh. Uh, the brother. He ran yeah. against, uh, he ran against Lindsey Graham. He was on the, he was on the, the news this morning and he said, look, I lost to Lindsey Graham by 200,000 votes. Yeah. If you look at the way voter suppression has been engineered in South Carolina, that's 200,000 votes. Yeah. 
if you look at Trump's victory electorally in 2016 in uh, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan. you and you look at the uh, estimated numbers of votes that were uh, not cast due to voter ID and other uh, voter suppression uh, law. This uh, soci- uh, political scientist at uh, uh, UCLA wrote a paper about it. I can't remember his name right now, but I'll, I'll get you the reference. It's almost a one, it's almost an exact match of the number of votes that you can look at as being suppressed by uh, the voter suppression laws and the margin of victory for Trump in those states. Yeah. So one of the things they want to do in the House is to begin at a federal level of reestablishing the Civil Rights Act of 1965, which will which will mandate that there is federal oversight of elections, which would undo this sort of new Jim Crow, if you will, yeah. in the voting arena. And um, you know, and and you've got to look at uh, uh, who is the group. Mo- you know, w- what religious groups are for or against voter suppression and it's you know i i we all know the answer right (laughs) it's the groups in this book (laughs) we we all we all know the answer i mean i was i was uh chatting with a friend of mine uh he's in texas right now um but we worked together in aurora uh did a bunch of community um organizing and and he's a a minister as well and he's and and i was deeply disturbed by this but i think he's right and i'm and i've kind of adopted this too i don't call me an evangelical christian anymore Mm. just just call me a follower of christ because i i can't abide the racist mixture and ideology that has come along with American Christianity. I just, I cannot abide that any yeah. longer, yeah. you know? And it, it there's, al- there's always that debate, you know, at what point do we get to reclaim terms? Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge mm-hmm. right now is that these terms are are too far gone. I mean, that right now. Uh, and again, reading this book, one of the important things historically about that is the division in the, in the Baptist church. Where yes. the, he, uh, Jones does a great job of articulating the the theological and cultural, aka racist differences, ideologically along slavery between what became the Southern Baptist Church and the American Baptist Church, and it and and that's not to let the American Baptist Church off because mm-hmm. he, it's very clear that. It's American Baptist. It's Lutheran. It's uh, the denomination I was a part of before before uh, coming out as atheist. The the United Church of Christ, encompassing Congregationalists and the Christian Connections and uh, and uh, a pro, uh, pen, oh God, we can go right right down the line. Um, your denomination is there if you're listening and you're a Christian. Trust me, your denomination is on the list. No of, doubt, of, and that includes Catholics. Yes, uh, which. 
Um, so just to be clear for the list for listeners who um, don't dance in in religiosity circles a lot, um, Catholicism often treats itself as it as its own religion, um, and doesn't necessarily. If you ask somebody who worships at a Catholic church, if you ask them if they're Christian, they'll say they're Catholic, is kind of the common response. And so uh, there is there's a lot of sociological study that has come around to treating uh, Catholicism and Protestants as two different religions. So um, the fact that in this study he looks at them on similar scales and finds, no, it's it's all racist, <laughs> that in the U.S. this is all racist. And this is in spite of the fact one would imagine, I would imagine, um, having worshipped at Catholic churches, that uh, the prominence with, with which they bring in um, Catholic priests from overseas— Right? Maybe that would influence things, but it doesn't. The American system right. is just of, of racist, uh, the intertwining between racism and, and, and church is just too damn strong. And it's, uh, it, it, I agree with you. And, and the thing, I teach at a Catholic university. Yes. Uh, and the, one of the amazing things to me about that is the Catholic intellectual tradition. The Catholic tradition of just war, the yep. Catholic tradition of um, Catholic social teaching. I mean, I, 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 I'll buy it hook, line, and sinker. I'm down with it. And yet, at the practical level of living that out, is all compromised by racism. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, racism and and you uh, and now I'm gonna say this word, but we are. I should have told you beforehand. This is a no word, but abortion, yeah. right? Everybody's in on on the moral, you know, vision to protect the unborn, but they're not. I, okay, I, whatever. I wish it. I wish that people who were who were so anti-abortion were as anti-racist as they are anti-abortionists. A, a you know? and B, if, uh, if you're going to be anti-abortion, I can respect you if you are uh, working at an agency that finds any good home, including gay homes, including, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, homes with people of color for children who whose parents can't raise them or won't raise them like right. it, i can at least respect it if healthcare is mandatory if if healthcare is covered for everyone um it, i remember the bills and i had good insurance from both of my kids and it broke mm -hmm. us um yep so it like I can at least have a respectful conversation with somebody who says, well, I'm doing all this work and yeah, I'm for single payer uh, health care mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it, it addresses these problems. And I'm for mm -hmm. uh, uh, all the birth control that we can get into people's hands. I'm for the birth control parts of Planned Parenthood. I just don't think abortion should be done. Hey, you know, mm -hmm. it, if you want to have that conversation, I'm down because we're yep. again, as you said, <laughs> Just for the audience, I tend to have a little conversation before we go live, and, and I justify it by saying I need to check levels, and that's actually what I'm doing. But we always get into stuff ahead of time. But one of the things we got into ahead of time <laughs> was Vincent said we're always more alike than we are different. And that's, I think, what, what 
part of what is so dehumanizing about these stances is because when abortion is is the only thing that matters to someone, they deny all of the things that would legitimize their their standing. Exactly, exactly. And I'm and I and I I I, I should have put this on the no category. So I'm going to say this, and then we're done with that topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is? Are you familiar with Mac Pierce's book, um, Why the Rest Hate the West? Came out. No. It's like 20 years ago. Yeah, like 20 years ago. And and it actually, and it does relate back to white too long and what happened at the Capitol. Yeah. Uh, because he says, you know, here's the here's the problem. Amer- uh, America, or what we have done is we have championed individualism. Yes. Right. We've said that what is most significant is individualism in most of the other worlds that we're bombing. The issue is not individualism, but obligation. Yes. And so when you look at the abortion movement and then I'll widen it out in a minute. When you look at the abortion movement, here's what here's what we have. We have people who say even the language within the United States context of hyper individualism, if you are against abortion, you cannot win the rhetorical argument. You know why? Because your language is choose life. Yeah. Which implies individualism. Yes, because there's an individual quote unquote right? choice. It's an individual choice yep. to not have an abortion, right? Yep. But what we do not do is live in a culture of obligation. If we lived in a culture of obligation, then we would have to say that we are obligated to create the conditions by which life can come forth and prosper. which would mean we're obligated to each other, which would mean single-payer health care, you know, high-quality education regardless of zip code, uh, affordable or free post-high school education. Um, You know, I I mean, all of these – all of these cultural or political social constructs that can be put together to right against the death penalty. Yeah. Yep. That you, the obligation says, okay, we need to create a society in which all life can flourish. And isn't that really what, uh, God intended was for life to be flourishing. Now, what did those people on the Capitol think? Their rushing, bum rushing of the Capitol wasn't rooted in an obligation to democracy or an obligation to community or an obligation to be the light of Jesus. Their storming the Capitol was rooted in the most grotesque selfishness imaginable. I didn't get my way, so let's overthrow the whole thing. That right there, it reminded me of a two-year-old's tantrum. 
exactly. And that, that's exactly what happened two weeks ago. But by the same token, by the same token, and and um, and Jones gets into this uh, when he gets into his, uh, you know, how do we go forward? By the same token, when you look within the white church, where is their obligation to take on the issue of racism head on? Bam. Where is our obligation to tackle racism head on? And the context of this conversation, too, religious groups that think they don't have an obligation to do justice. I, I don't even know where to start. I, yes, I'm an atheist now, but I'm also, well, reasonably well-versed in the Bible and at least a couple of denominations, having been to seminary and been a minister. If we think, if we're a part of religion, and we, at least Christianity, I guess let's stay specific there, if we're a part of Christianity and we think that we can ignore the work of Jesus around justice, the work of the prophets around justice, then what the, like, what book are you reading then? Because it does, just doesn't work. And racism is one of the most, well, blatant injustices of our time, of any time in the history of this country. Um, so I guess there's the question. Where is our obligation to tackle racism head on? At least in American Christianity. Um, so there we go. Thank you so much for listening today. And thank you, as always, for uh, sharing this podcast with your friends. It, you and I both know that the difficult topics that we're tackling here, the very intimate space that we're wrestling in here, um, this is not the kind of podcast that we're going to see on, <laughs> you know, on an advertisement on the radio or, or hear on an advertisement on the radio or something like that. It's something that to get into, we're going to have to have someone say, hey, I think you might enjoy this. So who are you asking that question of today? Go share it. Thank you again. We'll talk to you next time.